This morning's Bible reading is taken from James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, Can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is word of the Lord. Thank you, Abby. Well, and what a reading it is, the taming of the tongue. I need to listen to myself this morning. Well, good morning to you on this uh, Remembrance Sunday, um, when I remember only too well how much trouble my tongue has got me into over the years. In fact, some incidents are just too embarrassing to share. But I remember many years ago, um, before I became a Christian, hanging upside down and kissing the Blarney Stone in a castle in Southern Ireland. Now, according to legend, kissing the Blarney Stone blessed you with the gift of the gab. In other words, I was going to be more witty and eloquent and probably a distinguished flatterer. And I was so pleased with myself at the time. But now I am a a little bit wiser and I pray that I would talk less and listen more. It is a battle though. My tongue seems to take on a, a life of its own. But there is hope. There is hope for us all. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. And Lord, would you give us ears to hear from you this morning, not from me, Lord, but from you. Speak to our hearts and our minds as we look at this challenging passage about taming the tongue. Amen. So our passage today was written by James the Apostle. It was written to his fellow believers. 
And James uh, was the brother of Jesus. He was often referred to as James the Just because he led such a virtuous life. And throughout James's message in the Bible, in his letter, he is one who talks about living out faith by being a doer of the word, not just a hearer, but a doer of God's word. Central to James's message. He was a, a leader of the Jerusalem church, and he was only too aware of his responsibility, the responsibility that that carried, uh, being a leader of the church. Now, I don't need to really tell you that throughout history, the tongue has started many a war, be it on a, a national level or community level or within families, amongst close friends. I mean, look what is happening in our nation right now amongst our politicians. It's like a war of words. And it's often said that we hurt those who are closest to us. And I certainly know that to be true because I know I've hurt pads probably more than anyone else with unkind words when I'm hurting or when I'm angry. And James describes the tongue as a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Ouch. So I want us just to pause for a moment, and I want you to remember a time, because there will definitely, I'm sure, be one, when you said something hurtful to someone, or someone said something hurtful to you. So for me, I, I can remember when I was a teenager being told I had a hard heart. And to be quite honest, they were, they were probably right at the time, but those words were like poison to me, and they haunted me for many years to come. And finding faith in Jesus Christ was the beginning of the journey to release that poison that I was carrying. God's word is life-giving. It sets us free from so much. It sets us free from everything. He forgives us when we turn to him and we say, Lord, we've messed up. We're really sorry. We hurt that person. The prophet Ezekiel said, God will give you a new heart and he will put a new spirit in you. And I love the New Living Translation that says, he will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. A tender, responsive heart that is led by his spirit and that wants to please God and to walk in God's ways. And his ways are to forgive one another and to live in peace with one another. Can you imagine what our world would look like if we were to really forgive one another and to live in peace with one another. But this letter wasn't for the world. This letter was to fellow believers. This letter was to the church. And this letter is to us here at St. Matthew's, as much as the whole church community, to be quick to forgive one another and to live in peace. James knows that we will stumble and we're not perfect, but he urges us, 
to sort ourselves out and to tame our tongue so that we can live in harmony and that we can show the world Jesus through our relationships with one another, through our relationships with our families, our friends, our colleagues. When Pads and I were away on sabbatical at the beginning of the year, you might remember, um, I read a book called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. And I I bought Pads a copy because it's always helpful when you both read the same book. And the book is about taking offence specifically amongst believers. And it's how it's our enemy, Satan's, greatest trap for the church, for believers. Now, offence in itself is not deadly, but it becomes like poison if we feed on it in our hearts and it leads to hurt and anger and hatred and all sorts of strife. I mean, we can see in the world how how Brexit has caused offence and led to such divisions between people. But it's much more subtle within church communities, or it can be, sometimes it's more obvious, and certainly between fellow believers. There's actually nothing uh, subtle about Proverbs 18, which says, a brother or sister offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarrelling is like the bars of a castle. Now, to be quite honest, I thought when I, before I started reading this book that, well, I don't, I don't take offence particularly easily, but it's surprising when you read this book how it can be the little things that get in and, and we dwell on them. Half the time, they're misunderstandings, which we just try to push down and move on rather than talk them through. And Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So I don't know, have you... Have you ever ask God to search your heart before you receive communion, before you take of the bread and wine so that you can confess any sin and get yourself right with him? Has he ever asked you to go and be reconciled to someone first? We share the peace with one another. We'll be doing it later on this morning at every 11.45 service before we take communion. And I wonder how many of us understand why do we do that? Why do we share the peace with one another before we go and partake of the bread and wine together? You see, our words, like God's words, are meant to bring life, to bring healing, and to bring hope to the world. So how can we tame our tongue? James says in this passage in verse 7, all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed, and they have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. So we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that we cannot tame our tongues without God's help. And his words have power. Power to heal. 
power to bless. So we need to use them and we need to pray them into our being. We need to take his words and pray them for ourselves, for our friends, for our family, for our world. Psalm 141 says, sorry, Psalm 141 says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil. The psalmist is actually asking God to set a guard over his mouth, that he wouldn't say anything that would offend a brother or sister or anyone else for that matter. Psalm 19 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to the church in Philippi that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can't do it without him. So let us be strengthened by God's word and let us be empowered by his spirit so that we can tame our tongues and we can speak words of love to bless others, to sow seeds of love and peace. I was, uh, well, we were very blessed um, by hearing a a powerful story on Thursday when our, our wonderful son Tristan blessed us with tickets to see the musical Hamilton in the West End. And the musical uh, tells the story of the forgotten American founding father, Alexander Hamilton. And it's about his ascent out of poverty and to power against the backdrop of the American War of Independence. It was like a history lesson, actually, but it was very musical. Um, And it's an incredibly moving story. And I was reminded that we all have a story to tell. When Joe was talking about the unknown soldiers and they're known only to God, I thought they would have had a story to tell. They would have had a story to tell. And on this Remembrance Sunday, we remember them. We remember the stories of of those who gave their lives to protect us and to bring about peace. And as Christians, we have the greatest story of all to tell, to tell of the one who gave everything for us who saves us from sin and death, who brings healing and restoration and everlasting peace, and who offers us eternal life. If only we would turn to him. And our stories are set within this bigger picture of God's story. And each of our stories is of infinite value to our king. So with that in mind... I'm just going to finish by giving you two to three minutes to share a little bit of your story with someone near you who does not know your story maybe so intimately as your partner or your husband. So you've got two to three minutes as I finish just to share some of your story, which is so important to God. Amen.